Um, if you've got a Bible, can you turn it to the book of Acts and chapter 11? And we're going to be reading from um, verse 19. So the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 19. Acts is in the New Testament, kind of towards the end of your Bible. And so if you just kind of find it now, that would be wonderful. So as Saroosh said, we are approaching our gift days. And uh, there are a number of things that we are praying into for our gift days in terms of um, some of the priorities we feel God has called us to over the next 12 months. And rather than doing a short series of talks before the gift day on perhaps money or on giving, we actually felt it would be right to do a short series on grace. But really in the context of some of our gift day priorities. You see, when it comes to giving, sometimes our focus can kind of be all over the place. We can sometimes think, well, uh, what must I give? Uh, Do I have to give? And it can often be an attitude far from grace. In fact, it can often be an attitude closer to what we would call legalism. What's, What's the rule to follow? Tell me the exact amount that you want me to give. What do I have to give to keep God pleased with me? Actually, all the Christian life is meant to be lived out in the light of grace. Whether it's working, whether it's parenting, whether it's what we do with our free time, whether it's what we do with our finance and with our money. It's all to be lived out in the light of the grace of God. So, let me just set out what the Bible means by grace. What do we mean by grace? See, grace indicates an attitude of God towards us. How God treats you and me. See, the mercy of God means we don't get what we deserve. See, because of, because of men and women's attitudes towards God, because of our rejection of God, because, because we've, like, like we were singing this morning, we were singing that song that we have broken lives. Because men and women have, have broken lives, because we're, we're broken in the way we, we think, we're broken in the way that we, we often act and often talk because we've rejected God, we deserve punishment. We deserve death. It's a bit like, can I borrow you, Jill, a minute? Again, I'm going to show you this from last week. Let's hope this is going to work. Come with me. It's a bit like our punishment, our our attitude, our broken lives have put us outside of the very presence and the very goodness of God. Just wait there. Can you hear me? Yes, that's good. This is where we are because of our attitude, because of our rejection of God. But in God's mercy, 
And, and we deserve punishment. We deserve spiritual death. But in God's mercy, we don't get that. We don't get what we deserve. In fact, because of grace, we receive the favour of God. We, we get what we don't deserve. So, Jill, can you open the door? In fact, so mercy means we don't get what we do deserve, but the grace of God means we get what we don't deserve. And we're welcomed in to God's presence because of Jesus. Welcomed in. Thank you. I just didn't want to be shut out there for the rest of the morning. We're welcomed in because of grace. We're given new life because of grace. We get what we don't deserve. Grace is the undeserved favour of God towards us. It's the outrageous kindness and goodness of God towards you and me. See, grace means we're free from trying to live a certain way in order to kind of earn God's affection, to earn his favour. Rather, he gives it to us freely. I remember being a teenager... And, and, and I would strive to be as good as possible in order to somehow kind of accept, uh, earn the acceptance of God. I remember starting school days thinking, do you know, yesterday, God, I really messed up. God, yesterday was dreadful. I really let you down. How could you, how could you love me? Today, today, I will do better. Today, I will be a better friend. Today, I will be a kinder person. Today, I will be a more passionate Christian for you. And then maybe, by tonight, by the end of the day, I'll feel like I'm the type of person that God might like. That is not grace. So the Bible says when you make that decision to trust in God, when you make that decision to follow him, like Paul was talking about during our worship, when you choose to believe that the death that he died paid for your broken life, for your sin, for your, the punishment you deserved, God's unconditional favour, his lavish grace, flows to you. See, grace means the Christian life isn't about what I can do for God, what you can do for God, rather what he has done for us and how he now sees you and me. And yet grace didn't simply help me as a teenager to understand that I don't have to do things to earn God's acceptance. I don't have to kind of, uh, in my own strength, live up to something in order to earn his acceptance. No, no, grace also helped me to live differently too. Because I know I'm accepted now, because I know I'm loved now, I'm going to live differently. And now it will be a totally different motivation because I've got a different identity now because God's Holy Spirit is leading me. Now, now I'm enabled to be a kind of person. Hey, now I'm enabled to be the passionate guy that you've called me to be at school. Now I can be a good friend to my friends. But it's out of the Spirit's leading and it's out of a motivation of who he's made me.
And grace doesn't just help us to see what we've been freed from. It helps us see what we've been freed into. Into this new life. Imagine, can you put up this picture for me, uh, Mona? Imagine living somewhere naturally beautiful. Imagine living somewhere like, somewhere in the heart of the North Yorkshire Moors or maybe the Lake District. Somewhere beautiful. But imagine being trapped in a hut. Imagine that you, you lived there, but you were trapped in a hut in the midst of that place. You can't see it very well here. Just down on the bottom right-hand screen. Imagine you were trapped in that hut. See, grace is the key that frees us from our captivity. But do you know what? Grace is also the coat that clothes us and the boots that our feet fill that enable us to walk into all that there is for us. That enable to enjoy the freedom that God has given us, to be able to walk in the freedom that he has brought for us. To be able to navigate the maze that we may find ourselves sometimes in, as Jill was saying. So over the next four weeks, as we look at some of the things that we want to commit time, money, resource over the next 12 months to, the grace of God helps us to do it with the right motivation. From a place of acceptance, a place of favor, rather than out of legalistic rule-keeping or dead religion. Amen? I'm very excited about these talks on grace. Because grace is so freeing. In fact, it is so countercultural in our society. I honestly believe that even more than... I'm going to have to be careful here. I might get myself into trouble. Even more than the money we may raise through a gift day, I'm more excited about the freedom that God might bring to you and I through having a better, a greater understanding and enjoyment of the grace of God. And I hope you do too. So today, grace. Grace to belong. We're going to look at how the church is called to be a different community. Now we're called to be a community marked out by the grace of God. So we're going to go to this chapter in Acts. Acts chapter 11. See, Acts is an account of the beginning of the church in kind of the 30 years after Jesus, after his death and his resurrection. So let's read this um, account from uh, Acts. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that had broken out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. Greeks just means uh, um, Greek-speaking non-Jews. Okay? So anyone who wasn't Jewish, anyone that was in the Roman Empire, that, that's who it's talking about. Tell, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them. 
and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and when they sent and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So, so from the church being birthed in one city, Jerusalem, suddenly it starts to spread. This is what we read about in Acts. And one of the reasons it spreads is that Christians are scattered to the surrounding area because this guy called Stephen, who you read about earlier on in Acts, is killed for his faith in Jesus. And some of those that were scattered came to Antioch. Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman world. And it is what is now part of uh, southern Turkey, right at the bottom on a little bit that sticks out is where Antioch was. And this community of Jesus followers starts to grow in Antioch. So much so that the church in Jerusalem send Barnabas to check it out. And it says that when he came, what does he see? He comes and he sees. It's not a trick question, it's in the text. He came to, he came to Antioch and he saw... Yeah, the hand of the Lord was on them, yeah. The, uh, thank you, the grace of God. He saw the grace of God. He saw it. See, grace in a community, it, it must look like something. It's not an abstract concept. It's not just this kind of thing up here that they, 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 they kind of talk about and think about, but actually has no effect on them. No, no, it actually looks like something. Well, what does the grace of God in a community look like? Well, firstly, it looks like a Jesus-centered community. You might think that, Simon, is the most obvious point you could ever make. What is the point of making it? Well, let me tell you that it's really not. Because communities can be centered on all sorts of things. We know that in life, don't we? You can have the online gaming community. You can have the bowls community. You can have whatever community. We have, we have these in Teesside. Even church communities can be based on all sorts of things. Church communities could be centered on the leader or leaders. could be centered on an activity, on maybe a feeling. For instance, you could have a Christian community that studied the Bible because it made them feel intellectual and superior. Or that sang worship songs because it made them feel good. But here, 
we see the message that these Christians preach to the Greek-speaking non-Jews is the Lord Jesus. Verse 20. It's the message they come with. The Lord Jesus. In fact, as they do this, like Liz said, the hand of the Lord is with them. Verse 21. And the people who believe turn to the Lord. Again, verse 21. And, it's not, and here it's not said that they're added to the church as such, although I'm sure they were, but it says they're added to the Lord. Verse 24. And it's the place where they're first called Christians. Verse 26. See, their community is so focused on following him that they're known as followers of Christ. See, grace reminds us that it's all about Jesus. And this is how uh, John starts off his gospel with these words in the first chapter of John. He says, For the law was given through Moses. That's the first five books of the Bible. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, communities that are focused and centered around Jesus are better at dealing with all our difficulties and our problems too. See, community groups are midweek community groups that are focused and centered on Jesus can cope with our difficulties and problems much better. See, life can be hard sometimes, can't it? It can. Life can sometimes feel like that maze that Jill was talking about. And we can all face difficulties. We can all face setbacks. We can all face upsets. We can all face problems. But imagine a community group centered on all of them. Let me tell you, it will eventually sink under the weight. But a community group that is centered on Jesus, the great shepherd who cares for us, He doesn't care for us despite all our problems. He cares for us in the midst of our problems and fights our battles as we were singing through our problems. Do you know what? That brings life. The great shepherd who leads us through those and calls us to cast our burdens on him. Listen, I'm not saying don't share your difficulties or your problems with your midweek community group or with smaller groups. I'm not saying that. That's, that is ridiculous. In fact, so much pastoral care happens in our midweek smaller groups. It does. It just naturally happens that way. And that's really good. That's where it should happen. But ensure the center of when you meet is Jesus. Okay, secondly, it looks like a diverse new community. So in Antioch, you've got all these mix of cultures and peoples. There are many gods worshipped. It's a place of coming and going because it's like on a trading route. So people are um, coming and going through it. And although there were this mix of cultures and peoples, it said that it was actually quite a divided place. And, and, and this people had this part, and this people had this part. But actually, in the midst of this place, a new community is formed. 
And it's a diverse community. So some of the Jewish believers start talking to the non-Jews and, and, and they become Christians. And then if we just sneak over the page onto Acts 13, we see that there's people from in, in the church in Antioch from all sorts of different countries and all sorts of different backgrounds. You see, many people would have probably seen this hodgepodge group of maybe nobodies in a very bizarre light. And they'd have looked at them and thought, what on earth? But Barnabas sees the grace of God in this community. He sees sees something different. He sees the grace of God. It's what grace does. It brings together people who are not alike. See, grace says, I'm accepted by God, and, and so are you. And so we can be in community together. We're bound to get God's bound us together. And not just nationalities, but ages, backgrounds, abilities. Tell you what, it's a little bit like Jubilee, isn't it? Just take a look around you. You can turn your heads, you can look around. And do you know what? When I look out, perhaps when you do too, I see the grace of God. Look what God has done. Here's the grace of God at work amongst you and me. It also says Barnabas was glad. Does the church of Jesus Christ make you glad? Should do. Does it make you glad? Does it bring joy? Does it bring joy to your heart when you gather together with other Christians? It should do. It should be joyful. We should enjoy one another's friendship. Perhaps if you're someone uh, like myself or like Paul or like Sarouche who sometimes gets to travel outside and, and perhaps talk about Jubilee, it's wonderful to see people's faces light up and say, wow, the grace of God in that place. That's wonderful. And do you know, when I go and visit other churches and they tell me what they're doing, not always a mix of nationalities, sometimes a mix of ages, sometimes a mix of abilities, sometimes a mix of people coming from different parts of town, fills my heart with gladness. Wow, the grace of God in that church is wonderful. Does it make your heart glad when you think about the church? Not just this church, but the church ripped large across Teesside across this nation. It doesn't mean that there'll be no challenges to this community. Can you imagine that everything was always easy in Antioch and that they had no issues or problems or misunderstandings? I very much doubt it. See, perhaps it's easier to be part of a church where everyone is like you. Do you sometimes think that? The church was just all like me. It'd be so much easier. If they just thought like me, if they... If they just acted like me, it would be so much easier. If they were just like me. But can I suggest this to you? Seeing the grace of God in a community, like Barnabas sees, takes 
diversity of some sort. Why would these people be together? Why? Only because of the undeserved grace and favor of God. Listen, are there people in your community group or in your devoted group that you think they're not like me? They're not like us. Good. Get to know them. Listen to them. Ask them questions. Pray for them. Ask them to pray for you. Thirdly, it's a reaching out community. Communities of grace have a vision beyond themselves. It says that a great many people were added to the Lord. And what was the secret to this successful growth? It tells us the hand of the Lord was with them. It's another way of saying God's presence was there. It's another way of saying the evidence of God's power was amongst them. Communities of grace will have evidence of God's power amongst them. In the beginning of uh, chapter 13, again, just stripping o- tipping over to there, we get an insight into what this Antioch church is like. It tells us that they worshipped. It tells us they fasted. It tells us that they prayed. See, grace-filled communities know that they need God and his power if they're to have a vision to see more people come to know Jesus. They do. Perhaps, you're, uh, perhaps something you're involved in in this church is planning on how it can reach out to people who don't know Jesus. Listen, understand that you need God's, God's strength. You need his hand to be with you. We're, we're a people that believe that. We're a people that believe we need the power of God in order to have a vision beyond ourselves. That's why we sing songs like Fire Fall Down. We're not asking God to literally bring fire down in this place. No, no, we're asking for the very presence of God, the fire of God to be with us, to be present amongst us so that we might have a vision beyond ourselves to others. That's why our groups should be places of prayer. That's why now our midweek, uh, our monthly prayer meeting is part of our midweek community structure. So it was wonderful this week to gather in Rosebrook and to pray. And well done, Rosebrook guys, for leading us uh, this Wednesday in prayer. It was wonderful. It was so good to get together and pray. You led us so well, um, so faithfully, um, and we had a wonderful, wonderful time. But we need, we, we, we can't not get together and pray. We must. Grace also helps us to reach out to those on the margins and bring them into community. Here is a quote from a guy called David Anderson who um, wrote a book a number of years ago called Gracism. Looking at it, he was looking at racism in his home of the uh, United States and, and how he felt the church was called to gracism, to extend grace to those who are different to us. And, 
And actually, his book has far wider reaching implications than just ethnicity, just ethnic differences, as you'll get from this quote. He said this, Are you a gracist? The heart of a gracist extends a helping hand to those who are outside the positive norms of a particular society. While the majority may enjoy the hidden rules of a particular sociological group, gracists build bridges of inclusion for those on the margins. Just as God, and he uses an Old Testament uh, story here of um, Hagar uh, in Genesis, just as God reached out to Hagar to comfort her in in the desert of her life, so we can minister to those who are desperate for someone to hear them and to see them. What a wonderful quote. You know, I, love, I love how Open Door does this. I love how the Hope Foundation reflects this. I, I love how many of our things that go on in Jubilee do exactly this. Is this how you see community? Building bridges of inclusion, reaching out to people who find themselves in the desert of life. Ministering to those who are desperate to be seen. Desperate just to be heard. Okay, so what did we have? We had it was a Jesus-centered community. We had it was a diverse new community. We had it was... Are they just, oh, they are up there. Oh, I don't have to remember. They are a reaching out community... And finally, the grace of God means it looks like a maturing community. That doesn't mean that they're just all getting old, by the way. It means that people are growing in their faith in God. So Barnabas comes and he encourages them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. I like how one translation puts it, if you're reading the English Standard Version, it says that he tells them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. See, grace will also involve encouragement of one another. Barnabas didn't think, well, there's grace here in this community. I I probably don't need to encourage them. They don't need my encouragement. No, no, he does. He encourages them. And he tells them to remain true. He tells them to remain faithful. And he also went, and he went and found his friend Saul, who's also called Paul, and then they taught the church for a year. So what have we got here? Encouragement, teaching. Two things that a community of grace needs and welcomes. And they happen in community. I am encouraged in community. I am taught in community. Listen, if you're not involved in one of our community groups or devoted groups, find out about them. Come and ask myself. Come and ask someone who you think might know. Get along to God's big picture at the end of the month. If you're in secondary school or sixth form college, get along to Ignite on a Friday night. If you're creative and arty, even if you're not creative and arty, get along to create. If um, whoever you are, come to one of our various prayer settings across the church. Some of the best, 
some of the best life-changing encouragement and teaching will not happen from here. Not from me. I mean, from the front on a Sunday. might not always happen from here. It'll happen in community. And it'll often happen in smaller settings. See, it's, it's these times where God changes us by the power of his spirit. And he matures us and he grows us. And, and he helps us to um, remain stead, with steadfast purpose and remain faithful and remain true to the Lord. That's where we'll find that our strength, our faith is strengthened. So just to finish, we're going to finish soon and we're going to pray, but God has put you and I in community so that we might be and remain Jesus-centered, that we might celebrate diversity in this new community, in all its splendor, that we might reach out to others around us and that we might grow and mature into all that he has us for us. And I want us to end and respond um, in, in, a, in a few different ways. Firstly, I want us to take our collection. We haven't taken the collection yet, have we? Yes. So we're going we're gonna to respond firstly by singing and taking our collection. If you're a visitor here, as we always say, you're very welcome to put in, but it's not primarily for you or that you're welcome to give in grace. And then, I, I feel there are, there are some words of encouragement people want to give to others. I even think that there's perhaps some words of encouragement people have been sitting on for a few weeks that they know is for someone else. And we're going to give an opportunity um, for you to do that. You, you can go and encourage that person. We all need to be encouraged in the Lord, don't we? And I feel, feel that I want an opportunity where we can bring those words of encouragement to one another. I also would love us to... Um, I would love us to um, pray for uh, any of us that are just feeling like, do you know what, I'm not walking in the grace of God right now. I, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, listening to the, I'm listening to the enemy, like, like Paul and uh, Jody said. I, I'm listening to, to, to his lies. I, I've listened to them too often when he said, I'm not worthy, when, when he said that, how could I approach God? I've, I've listened to the, the, the enemy's lies, and I'm not walking in the grace of God, knowing that he loves me and he's for me. We would love to pray for you for that. And I would just ask the, the ministry team just to move out to the sides in order for you to be able to do that. Um, and we're also going to pray for Mona as well. So I'd love Mona to, to um, uh, be able to be involved in this and some people to come and pray. You might need to move out, Mona, so we can pray for you. But why don't, we, why don't the bands come up and why don't we just respond together before we do those things? So let's just stand for a moment. And come before God. So you might know you've got a word of encouragement for someone. What I would really encourage you to do is to bring it to them, either during this song or maybe over coffee. Because encouragement is so important. Or you might just be sensing that 
do you know, I'm, I've listened to the, the lies of the enemy and I, I haven't been walking in the grace of God. I, I want to just know afresh, deep in my heart, that know afresh that he's for me, that he, that he loves me, that, that it's not about what I can do to earn his acceptance, but it's what he's done for me. And so why don't you find one of the ministry team who will be out at the sides. Father God, thank you that you have, um, thank you that the hand of, your hand has been on this community. Thank you for the grace of God amongst us. Thank you, you've made a, a new, diverse community that speaks of your splendor, that speaks of your goodness, that speaks of your grace. And God, I want to ask, would you, by the Spirit, help us to walk in grace? Help us to be ones who reach out to those on the margins. Reach out to those beyond ourselves. God, by your Spirit, would you mature us and grow us together in all that you have for us? God, would you excite us afresh for the grace of God, the unmerited favor that flows to us because of Jesus? We love you and we declare that you are very good. And so let us sing. Let us take up our offering uh, and let us then respond in those ways.